RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines, Asian stock markets crash following a huge 30% fall in oil prices. Executive Councillor Lam Ching Choi says Hong Kong should consider letting older students return to school. And the mainland reports its lowest number of new COVID-19 cases since it began releasing data. There's been carnage on Asian stock markets following a spectacular 30% crash in oil prices and nervousness about the coronavirus. At the close of morning trading, the Hang Seng Index was down over 900 points, or 3.5%, 25,230. In Japan, Tokyo's Nikkei 225 fell over 5% as investors bought yen as a safe haven currency, making the country's exports more expensive. And the Australian dollar, whose resource-rich economy is often used as a proxy for China, dropped about 2%. Kingston Financial Group's Executive Director of Research, Dickie Wong, said he believed the sell-off in Hong Kong would continue. It's hard to judge or predict what is the bottom of the Hang Seng Index of this moment because as we all know, like the market sentiment um, has been deteriorating. We can see significant selling pressure not only in Hong Kong and Asian markets but everywhere in the world, especially in like Italy and also the US stock markets. I don't really think the market was stabilized. But of course, like after the market plummets today, it may rebound a little bit, but I really don't see the end of the sell-off. With more on the oil sell-off, here's the BBC's Monica Miller. It's a dramatic war playing out on the global oil markets. Prices plunged dramatically after a contentious meeting over the weekend between members of OPEC, the organization of oil-producing exporting countries, and Russia over how much to reduce production. Saudi Arabia, which produces the cheapest oil in the world, slashed its prices. And this is adding to investors' nervousness, causing sharp declines in Asian stock markets. Executive Councillor Lam Ching Choi says Hong Kong could consider letting older students return to school and shorten school hours next month to test whether coronavirus control measures on campus are effective. Schools have been closed since just before the Chinese New Year holiday to combat the spread of the illness. Speaking on an LTHK programme, Mr Lam said the city should think how people could resume their normal lives as much as possible since the fight against the virus will be long term now as it is spreading around the world. President of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union has called on the government to clarify plans by the Centre for Health Protection to expand COVID-19 testing to private clinics and hospitals. Under the plan, private doctors taking part in the scheme have to ask patients who show symptoms such as, such as fever and upper respiratory infection to take a deep throat saliva specimen test at the clinic. But Dr Henry Young believes the patients should do the tests themselves at home after consulting their doctors. He says the government should follow the arrangement currently used in the colorectal cancer screening program, where patients collect and send their own specimens to labs. Patients should send a specimen to dedicated government uh, operation clinics for delivery before the central lab send messenger to collect the specimen, just like the program in the colorectal carcinoma screening program. I think they should change to such arrangement so that that uh, few hundred doctors can easily adapt to and can easily join this program to help in the surveillance of the community assistance of this COVID-19 virus. A government-appointed committee has asked the administration to drop its plan to use the smart lampposts to monitor illegal dumping over privacy concerns. 
It's one of a list of recommendations submitted by the committee in a report which acknowledges public concerns over the use of high-definition cameras on lampposts. It says people are worried the identities of pedestrians could be captured and recognised using facial recognition software. It says the government should explore other, more privacy-friendly technologies as a substitute for video cameras. Mainland has reported another 22 coronavirus deaths and the lowest number of new cases since it started reporting the data in January. There were 40 new cases nationwide, with most in Hubei, the epicentre of the outbreak. The mainland's death toll is just over 3,100. More than 80,700 people have been infected in total. Infections on the mainland have been steadily decreasing, but there have been 67 imported cases, four of those confirmed today. South Korea has confirmed another 248 cases. Shanghai Disney Resort has partially reopened more than a month after shutting down due to the coronavirus outbreak. The amusement park remains closed, but the shopping and entertainment Disney Town Zone, including a park and hotel in the same complex, has reopened. The official death toll from COVID-19 in Italy's worst affected region of Lombardy has jumped by more than 100 in a day. The national tally now stands at 366 after a record rise in daily coronavirus infections. Wide-scale restrictions are now in force in 15 provinces, affecting 16 million people. Professor Giacomo Grasselli from the University of Milan is helping to manage the pressure on the local intensive care units. In Lombardy, around Milan, this coronavirus outbreak is putting an incredible, an incredible stress on our intensive care unit system. We normally have 850 ICU beds. In the last 16 days, we admitted to our ICUs more than 500 critically ill patients. Very soon, uh, we will run out of the beds. Following an emergency meeting, a Swiss government official has said the tens of thousands of Italians who cross the border every day for work can continue to do so. But the BBC's Imogen Folks in Geneva says there's anxiety over the outbreak. Two people have died in Switzerland. The news of the second death came as cases of the virus rose sharply in Switzerland, despite emergency measures to ban large gatherings. With at least 300 cases in a population of just 8.5 million, the Swiss government is now trying to protect the most vulnerable. Those over 65 or with underlying health conditions are being advised to stay at home. Commuters have been told to avoid public transport in the rush hour. Oregon, on the U.S. West Coast, has become the latest state to make a coronavirus emergency declaration. Earlier, the governor of neighboring Washington state, Jay Inslee, said mandatory measures to control the virus's spread were now being considered in America's hardest-hit state. We are looking at extending what are voluntary decisions right now. And we've asked uh, a whole host of communities to consider whether you really need to have your events right now. And they are being canceled. Uh, uh, Comic-Con's been postponed. We have a number of school closures. We are contemplating some next steps, particularly to protect our vulnerable populations in our nursing homes and like. And we are looking to determine whether mandatory measures are required. Several embassies in North Korea have closed as many diplomats were flown out following weeks of tight quarantine restrictions imposed by Pyongyang. North Korea hasn't confirmed a single virus infection but has imposed strict rules including closing its borders and putting thousands of its own people into isolation. Meanwhile, the South Korean military says North Korea has fired three unidentified projectiles off its east coast. It said in a statement it detected launches from a town in the north-south Hamgyong province. 
It comes two days after the North threatened to take momentous action to protest against criticism of its earlier live fire exercises in recent days. Gatherings of more than a 1,000 people are to be banned throughout France. The announcement was made by the Health Minister, Olivier Véran. Nationally, all gatherings of more than 1,000 people are banned from now on. Prefects and ministries will put together a list of events that are considered useful to the nation. I want to specify that demonstrations will be part of this, as well as education exams and the use of public transport. The number of people who've died from the virus in France has reached 19. The authorities in Saudi Arabia have suspended classes at all schools and universities throughout the kingdom because of the coronavirus outbreak. Earlier, the eastern oil-producing province of Katif was put into lockdown after a number of cases were confirmed there. Here's the BBC, Sebastian Usher. Katif is not only in the east of the country where much of the oil wealth is produced, but it's also where the Shia minority lives. The cases confirmed in Katif have all been traced back to Iran, which has been the epicentre of the virus and its spread in the Middle East. The Saudis had earlier blamed the Iranian authorities for not stamping the passports of Saudis who travelled there, so they couldn't easily be traced on their return. The authorities then called on any Saudi who'd been to Iran to make themselves known, saying they'd face no sanction for doing so. The threat of coronavirus has already hit the Saudi stock market with shares tumbling as demand for oil seems bound to fall. The two leading Democrats competing to take on President Trump in November's election have each received endorsements from leading American politicians. Senator Kamala Harris, once herself a Democratic hopeful, has now come out in support of Joe Biden. She explained why. I am supporting Joe because I believe that he is a man who has lived his life with great dignity. He is a public servant who has always worked for the best of who we are as a nation, and we need that right now. There is so much at stake in this election, guys. But the civil rights leader, Jesse Jackson, has endorsed Bernie Sanders. He spoke alongside him at a rally in Michigan. I stand with Bernie Sanders today because he stood with me. I stand with him because he's never lost his taste for justice for the people. I stand with him because he stands with you. The Afghan Defence Minister has warned if the Taliban don't stop attacks by the end of this week, security forces will switch from defence mode to targeting the militants. The Afghan forces adopted a defensive position two weeks ago as part of the US-Taliban agreement, which could pave the way for foreign troops to leave the country. Here's the BBC's Ambarasan Atirajan. The Defence Minister Asadullah Khalid said the plan had been to transform the week-long reduction in violence agreed in the run-up to the US-Taliban deal into a more permanent ceasefire. This, he says, has not happened. At least 22 Afghan soldiers and nine civilians had been killed during the reduction in violence, and the attacks have continued. Days after signing the deal with the US, the Taliban announced they were resuming operations against the Afghan forces. Stocks a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 25,236. That's 910 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $83 billion. Currencies, US dollars trading at 2.81 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 14 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 15 cents. Sport now, and here's Adam Chung. First to football in the English Premier League, where Manchester United might have turned the corner with this latest win. Played out McTominay, goes for goal! 
shot in from 35 yards to make it Manchester United 2, Manchester City 0. United won the Manchester Derby and completed a Premier League double over City for the first time in a decade. Goals from Anthony Martial and Scott McTominay sealed a 2-0 win. Here's the United boss, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. It's fantastic, you know, for the fans and the players, the team, the whole club, uh, to be able to beat Man City at home is important. We've not done it for a while, so it was uh, a big game for us. You've now got that consistency of 10 games unbeaten. You've beaten Manchester City twice. Is that kind of a symbol of the progress you're making? Well, I don't know. I, I, we feel that we're improving as a team, as a squad, as a group together. We, we feel uh, the fans, they, they want us to do well and they, they see what we're doing. So we're getting better and better, but they're still, we're still fifth. There's still points to, uh, to catch on Chelsea and Leicester, so we need to keep plugging away. That Manchester City loss means Liverpool are now just two wins away from clinching their first league title in 30 years. Manchester United remain three points behind fourth-place Chelsea, who were 4-0 winners at home over Everton. Let's hear from the Chelsea boss Frank Lampard, who gave 18-year-old Billy Gilmore his first Premier League start. I always had the feeling that the minute you put him in, it's just going to get better very quickly because of his quality, because of game intelligence, because of his work ethic, because he'll put his foot in. Um, and today was another example of that after Liverpool. So two really good games. In contrast, it was a sad return to Stamford Bridge for the Everton boss, Carlo Ancelotti. Very disappointed. Uh, honestly, it's the first time that I was so sad for the performance of the team. Usually... We are used to play different. I think everything was wrong. We were uh, not good enough defensively. We lost a lot of duel. We were not compact. And with the ball, we did a lot of mistakes. In Spain, Real Madrid threw away the chance to overtake Barcelona and go top in La Liga. They lost 2-1 away to Real Betis, with Christian Tello scoring the decisive goal for the home side eight minutes from time. And finally, the Indian Wells tennis event in the United States has been postponed after a case of coronavirus was confirmed in a southern California county near the venue of the tournament. The annual event, featuring top players from both the men's and women's tours, were due to begin this week. Indian Wells is known as the unofficial fifth major of the tennis calendar and draws an average of 450,000 fans. And as you look at sports... To end the news, the top stories once again. Asian stock markets crash following a huge 30% fall in oil prices. Exco councillor Lam Ching Choi says Hong Kong should consider letting older students return to school. And the main reports its lowest number of new COVID-19 cases since it began releasing data. And that's the news from RTHK. A sound with no one knowing. All I can see is this hole in the ground. Somewhere to hide, but I wanna be found. And where can I stand now? All the ice is melted. I fall behind, it's not as if you would remember. If I get back, I find something to lose. I know I'm lost, and it's all I do. And you might be the first.
forever Don't let yourself stop, never stop to wonder You're like a spark in my besotted heart Worth all of a shot in the dark And you might be the first to know And I understand that we're not on our own You're by my side and you know I've got your cover And I see you girl She's the first to know afternoon and welcome to the 123 show with me Noreen Mayer on this Monday afternoon. Monday the 9th of March is today's date. Many thanks sir, to Phil for the morning brew. One. Hope you all had a great weekend. We've got a busy show today. Just after half past 1. I'm delighted to be chatting with Radio 3 presenter Sadia Osmani as she will be doing a webinar on getting your voice heard through challenging times. That's right. She's had many experience and uh, many years of experience of working uh, from home remotely. So she'll be sharing this with our audience today, especially during times like this where many of us are working from home these days. And uh, Sadia will be joining us at about half past one. And uh, after two o'clock, uh, it's trash talk time. And this week, Marcy Trent Long talks to Diane Van Swanberg from Coconut Matter about her experiences with her environmentally friendly startup and also about making eco-friendly products. Uh, we 